Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. We'll get to the business end of things with the Holy Grail here in, uh, in just a little bit, but we want to get right to our guest for the week, a very special guest, someone uh, we, are, we are both very excited to talk to, and uh, he is joining us now. Hi, Dave, by the way. Dave Simone, Chad Brendel. Hello. Hi, Dave. We're joined by Jim Nagy, who is the uh, executive director of the Senior Bowl. He handles, uh, he's a longtime NFL scout. He's got a couple Super Bowl rings in the uh, trophy case. And he is in charge of uh, building the rosters for the Senior Bowl. And with everybody uh, kind of trying to, to downplay the level of talent at Cincinnati, we thought this would be a great week to have Jim on and uh, have him discuss what he's seeing when he breaks down Bearcat tape. So, Jim, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, Dave is the the question asking master on this podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Dave and uh, let him get started. Well, I'm, I'm also a huge draft nerd. So this this kind of lines up to my other hobbies, so to speak. But uh, you're at the Central Florida game. Is that correct? Jim? Well, good. That... <laughs> Are you there, Jim? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Okay, gotcha. Lost you for a second. Uh, you were at the Central Florida game, is that right? Uh, I was not. One of our scouts oh, was. Okay, yeah, one of we, your scouts. Yeah, one of our we've seen uh, we've seen Cincinnati play twice live this year, and neither time has been me. But I'll see them play on the road uh, when they go on the road at Tulane. Oh, okay, awesome. So, w- just in general, what um, like when you're putting together the ro- I mean, before we get into the specific UC stuff but when you're putting together the roster for this just kind of give us like a behind the scenes view as as how that how you go about doing that talking to schools are you talking to NFL teams on guys that they'd like to see like how does the whole process play out putting the rosters together yeah it's a it's almost a a year-round process for us guys so um you know we got done with last year's game at the end of January uh, we took a couple weeks off and, uh, and then, you know, our scouting assistants in the office really, you know, jumped right into this year's class. I was, uh, I, I, I do some ESPN stuff between our game and the draft every year. Um, so I don't have a chance to move on to the following draft class, but, the, but our guys in the office do. Um, so those guys, we, they worked hard um, all through the spring. I kind of played catch up in May, June, July, um, even the beginning part of August. Um, and then over the summer, we hire a scouting staff um, every year. I, I put a staff together of guys with that have had NFL experience, guys, uh, guys and, and a, a young lady that was uh, is now scouting for the Cleveland Browns. We had Kathleen Wood on our staff a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, we had 120 years of experience on this year's staff. They're guys that have, uh, you know, one of our guys was the, you know, assistant director of player personnel for the Jaguars for the last handful of years. So. Um, really experienced staff. We we got that group together over the summer, um, and then once we work into the fall, there were games every weekend. I think we're you know 12, 13 games almost every weekend. Um, the guys are getting tape. We're getting tape straight from the NFL Dub Center where the the lead teams get it. Um, so we download that tape. Our scouts can have access to it, and uh, we're just we're just working it like a normal NFL personnel department. So uh, we'll do all our own work, and then you know we've got a big we've got a couple of big Zoom calls as a staff head. Uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks and then you know through the course of the fall that's the value of being out at games is that we're you know connecting with NFL guys on a weekly basis 
um, yeah, a lot of phone calls with the league. Um, you know, a lot of phone calls with college coaches and, and things of that nature, meet with coaches on game day down on the field, you know, and that's the value of having an experienced NFL staff is that we all have our own connections. Right. So, um, really valuable. Yeah. The NFL is definitely part of our process. We, we, we want to bring guys to mobile. They want to see, I mean, these, these rosters are not for us. They're for those teams. We, you know, I kind of see, see my job is twofold. We, you know, we, we are here to serve the NFL teams and we're here to uh and do what's right by the city of mobile alabama because this is a big uh, this game's a big part of the fabric of the city um and so you know that's that's really that's really the way we do it um you know it's like i said it's a year-round process and we're, we're kind of coming to the end of it here we got invites coming out in a couple of weeks so uh it's an exciting process given the the covid year and the super seniors there's you know there's been a lot of talk this is going to be the biggest draft class ever once you then add in the underclassmen does that make it more challenging for you guys or but also maybe more exciting because you have the potential to have some of the best rosters that you guys have ever had for the senior bowl with so many more players being available to select yeah you know it's it's definitely created more numbers it's it made it's made it more difficult so um and you know this is only my fourth game cycle here at the senior bowl so i only have three other years to compare it to but um, you know, when we get done with our summer process, we we're usually around 500 names on the board after we've, you know, looked at all the junior tape and, you know, eliminated guys that are, um, you know, won't, won't be NFL players. Um, that, that number has been around 500. Um, and this year it was, it was at 700. So that's a, it's a huge, huge, uh, spike in volume, overall volume, but it has not changed the top of the board at all. Our numbers in the first, you know, first two days of the draft are really about the same. So I don't I don't think the COVID year has impacted the quality of this year's draft up top. Um, it has affected, you know, just the just the depth in the the later rounds, the the five through seven sure. guys. So that actually makes it more challenging. There's more names down there. Um, again, and it just like on draft day, I mean, every team's bottom of the everyone's everyone's top of the board is is usually is really probably really similar. Um, but where everyone's boards go haywire is in rounds five through seven, because everyone's all valuing different things later in the draft. So that is going to make it more challenging to uh, find those guys. You know, last year we, we broke a record. We had 106 players drafted out of our game, which was ended up being 41% of last year's draft class. And uh, it's going to be challenging to get, to get back to that number um, just because day three is, is going to be more unpredictable this year. All right, I, I got oh, one. Go I got Sorry. one real quick, Dave. I got, I got one go real ahead. quick before jump we get in, started. Jump on in whenever you want. Um, there is this notion, if you listen to the national media, that Cincinnati maybe doesn't necessarily deserve uh, to be ranked number two because they don't have enough talent on their roster to compete with the big boys. As a scout, when you look at the Cincinnati roster, is their talent comparable? And, and maybe not Georgia because Georgia, they might have 11 guys on defense that are going to play. They might have 15 guys on defense that are going to play in the NFL right now. But uh, across the board, where does this team's talent level compare to what you're seeing around the rest of the country right now? Yeah. Anyone that's uh, anyone that's putting that narrative out there that Cincinnati doesn't have the talent. They don't, they don't, they're not watching tape. Um, so <laughs> I will say, no, there, there's plenty of NFL talent on that roster. I think all you got to do is go back to last year's bowl game against Georgia. And, 
I thought they were going to win that game, you know, right down to the end. I thought Cincinnati was going to win that game. So for them to, and you can make argument that Georgia really wasn't into that game. And I've heard that too, but I mean, the bottom line is they were, they stepped on the same field with a, you know, the most talented team in the country this year in terms of, like you said, the draft prospects, they could have 17 or 18 guys drafted this year, which would break an all time record. And Cincinnati stepped on that field last December, January, whenever they played that game. Um, in Atlanta, and they went toe to toe to toe with them. So, and then when you look at guys for this game, I mean, just look at what, just when in, in about a month when the Senior Bowl rosters are are complete, um, you'll see plenty of Bearcats down here. I mean, there'll be, as, as, I mean, there w- there won't be the number of Georgia, um, but outside of that, I mean, that they're going to be right up there with the next couple schools in terms of number of players in our game, and that that usually equates to a great season. You have NFL talent, you're going to be a good college football team, and. And they do from top to bottom, both sides of the ball. They have multiple NFL guys on this football team. Dave, go ahead. I'm good. All right. We'll, we'll start at the top. Quarterback Desmond Ritter. Get, you know, tons of accolades. One of the winningest quarterbacks in college football. From a scouting standpoint, what do you like most about his game? And what have you kind of heard from – you know, NFL coaches or scouts as to what they like and what they still want to see him improve on this year? Uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about, about Des. Um, you know, he's first of all, first and foremost, he's played a ton of football for him, you know, and with those reps, just, you know, decision-making has improved over time. The game slowed down for him. You can see that he's going to have, you know, one of the best uh, quarterback 40 times um, that we've seen in a long time. He's going to be in there somewhere in the four, like low four five range is what, the, the guys up at Cincy think he can hit. Um, and you see that on some of the breakout runs and just the speed getting to the perimeter when he, when he tucks the ball. So he's got that. He's got a strong enough arm, uh, really good leader. I've had a chance to spend a little time around Des, like at the Manning camp. We had a really good talk this year. Um, just coming out of that talk, the thing that, uh, you know, he was working on this summer was, was his deep ball stuff. And uh, that shows some self-awareness because that was, that was probably the primary concern we had last year um, and we've seen that kind of come to fruition this year in the fall and he's, he's done a nice job um, you know it's given guys a chance to make plays for him um, so there's there's a there's a lot to like and in, in terms of like his makeup what I like to hear from their coaching coaching staff up there and I've, I've, I've known Luke Fickle for a long long time back to when he was an assistant coach at Ohio State I mean really in like the, the early to mid 2000s when I was working for the Patriots and Mike Vrabel was still a player for us you know, Raves and, and Coach Fickle are, are really tight. So whenever I'd go into Ohio State, like Luke and I would talk and he knew that, you know, I was I was friendly with Mike from working for the Patriots. So I've known Luke forever. Um, you know, Colin Hitchler, their safeties coach, was a scouting assistant in Kansas City when I was scouting for the Chiefs. So I uh, know a lot of guys on that staff and they do a great job. But the way they talk about Dez is just his ability to connect with everyone on the team. Um, he can, you know, walk in and out of any position room in that building and, and, and make an easy connection with all those guys. And some quarterbacks can't do that, you know, and, and, and Des is a guy that can. So I think the interview process for Des is going to go really well, um, you know, from senior bowl on through the process, combine, pro days, um, 30 visits he'll go on. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot to like. He's, he's going to be in, the, in that top mix of quarterbacks for this draft. I, I don't think, similar to last year, there wasn't really a consensus in the league uh, for in those first five quarterbacks. I think, depending on the team you talk to, the order was all over the place. And I think that's the same The same is going to be uh, the case this year in this year's quarterback class, at least as we start into the process in January. Um, that might solidify itself and shake itself out over time. 
but uh, but yeah, Des will be in that mix of guys. Do you think with you know it could still change obviously, but coming into the season, it was a lot of Sam Howe, uh, Spencer Rattler stuff like that, and things have, have obviously changed. Do you think he could be in the running for the first quarterback off the board? Yeah, he he yeah he definitely could. Like I said, he's going to be in that that short list of guys. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett's really emerged, and he's elevated himself probably into those conversations. Uh, I, I just saw Malik Willis from Liberty play a couple weeks ago when they were up at UAB, and uh, he's going to have a, he's going to have a lot of support in the league. A lot of guys are going to like Malik's game. Um, and yeah, the juniors come out. Um, Carson Strong in Nevada is a, a really good deep ball thrower. Uh, you know, Sam Howell's talented, so. Uh, again, he's, he's going to be in that mix. I mean, those are, those are probably the, that's probably going to be the group that teams are going to be looking at this year. Going over to the defensive side, two guys start with Ahmad Gardner. We all see like the PFF numbers of the percentages and that it's better to just throw the ball into the dirt and throw at him. And teams basically don't even bother at this point from a scouting standpoint. Yeah, what are you guys seeing in the way that he plays that or that is dictating why teams are almost just going out of their way to not even challenge him? We are seeing nothing. Um, I have not spent any time looking at Ahmad Gardner. He cannot play in the Senior Bowl. Uh, okay. We've got way we've got way too many players to focus on. But I will say this: like our scout, one of our scouts that that uh, you know has been to see Cincinnati play. He texted me from the game and just watching pregame, you know, watching the DBs move around. And then you know, he was like, he texted, he's like, this Gardner kid's the real deal. Um, so there's enough, and I've had enough, other, I've had enough conversations with NFL guys to know he's, he's a legitimate, legitimate guy, but I have not focused on Ahmad whatsoever, spending more time on uh, those seniors in the secondary, like Cook and, and uh, Bryant. Then we'll, let's go to those two, because I know you guys had sent out a couple tweets in the last couple of weeks on Kobe and uh, Brian. So start with Kobe. I know you mentioned just the, his ball skills and the way that he plays the ball in the air. Is that kind of one of the main things that attracts scouts to him? Yeah. Length, athleticism, ball skills. Um, you know, he's still a little raw from a technique standpoint, you know, a focus standpoint, he puts himself in some situations um, that aren't great, but actually those are the times that really kind of showcases the, the athlete that he is like him, you know, breaking out of recovery mode and, and, and making plays on the ball is what sometimes when you see the athlete and you see the hips and you see the twitch. Um, so there, there is a lot to work with there, you know, like he's, he's really good in a lot of the zone stuff, stuff that they do. And then from a, you know, from a man to man standpoint, there's just a lot to work with because he's long and athletic. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement in his man coverage. Um, but I know teams are going to think he can get there because he has the tools to do it. Brian Cook kind of jumped on the scene for, for maybe, I don't know about the nation, but for a lot of people in the bowl game last year when he stepped in for James Wiggins, and he's definitely carried that over into this season. Um, where do you guys see him? You know, as a safety, does he come down into the box more on the next level? What are some things about his game that have caught your guys' eye? Yeah, and, and I credit Coach uh, Hitchler for putting uh, for putting Brian on our radar pretty early last year. You know, like we we'd invited James Wiggins to the Senior Bowl last year. He accepted his invite and then got injured and couldn't play. Um, we also liked Derek Forrest quite a bit. Um, we were really close to pulling the trigger on Derek as well, and um, it was cool to see him get drafted. He's a good he's a good football player. Um, but Coach Hitch, you know, give us a heads up, like, hey, I've got a third guy here that's kind of waiting in the wings, and 
um, is a really good player. And you, and you saw it last year when he, when he did get out there. But he has completely taken his game to a different level. I mean, he's getting better on a week-to-week basis. You just see with, with the time on the field and the experience in the system, um, it's just it's just he's reacting more naturally and it's, it's just happening for him. So uh, what you like about him is like, when you say, is he going to be more in the box? Yeah, he's going to be more in the box as a safety. I don't see him as a guy that, that you know, a lot of teams are moving you know, bigger safeties to linebacker at the next level. I don't see that. I think Brian's a pure safety, uh, but he is good around the line of scrimmage. He is underneath coverage, triggering on plays. You saw that in the game last week, blowing some stuff up. Um, so he's got nice burst. He's physical. Um, he can run. So there's a, there's a lot to like. And like I said, Brian's an ascending guy. We kind of had him as our, we pick stock up players every week here at the senior bowl. Brian was one of those guys. Alec Pierce was one of those guys earlier in the year. Um, so yeah, in a, in a safety class, that's, it's really thin guys. It's, it's probably on our board, the thinnest position group we have for the game this year. I mean, defensive tackle is always thin, um, but safety is a pretty thin crew. Brian's definitely uh, separating himself right now. What do you do when you're watching tape and you see a safety hit a right, or hit a pulling guard so hard that it, it knocks the running back down? Like how many times do you rewind and watch that? Yeah, what he did, stuff. what he that's did was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, you love that. I mean, just you love you love the physicality. You love guys that are innately physical and, and afraid to aren't afraid to take on bigger people. Um, no, that's great, man. That's that's what you love. Those guys are easy to buy into. That's that's the play style they need to play at the next level. Some guys have to learn that when they get there. Um, that 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 whole level of physicality is just ratcheted up. The urgency's ratcheted up. Um, the whole game speeds up up there, and a lot of it's effort. You know, it's it's funny. You watch some college tape and, and I wish some of these guys could could watch the NFL tape first and see how they need to play when they get to the next level. And and that's not going to be an issue with Brian Cook. He's an innately physical guy. He's not afraid of contact. He he seeks it out. So, uh, yeah, it makes him a fun player to watch. Darian Beavers is another ascending guy that I could be totally wrong, but he reminds me at least somewhat of Zayvon Collins as kind of a bigger linebackers maybe outside three four guy um he's really taking his game to another level as well is he someone that you guys have an eye on yeah yeah absolutely we've uh you know we profiled daring a little bit too over the course of the fall and the summer um he's another guy the coaching staff there gave us a heads up that they thought could make a nice jump you know he's he's a big guy he can run I think uh what we've seen over the last couple weeks in particular is more urgency um, there have been times on tape where you where you wish Darian cut it loose um, and played bigger and played to his size measurables, um, you know, and just been the physical, uh, you know, the, the physical like enforcer type that that he can be. Um, and he's done that the last couple of weeks um, and just talking to their coaching staff. They've, they've been trying to hammer that home and and get that point across and you're starting to see that a little more. And again, he does have position versatility. He's played out, he's played down on the line of scrimmage. He's played off the ball. Um, you know, I look at him like going back to my time with the Patriots and we were three, four defense, like he would have fit perfectly in our scheme because he, he had versatility to probably play all four spots. And those guys are hard to find, um, you know, guys that have the eyes to play off the ball and sort things out and then play on the edge and have the length and the physicality to set the edge and, and he's shown he has that and he can run. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like, I, I feel like Darian's best football is still ahead of him. Um, you know, there's times on tape where you, you know, there's more there. 
Um, and again, I think he's kind of just scratching the surface right now. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he goes through the draft process, how he finishes out this year, really. I'm interested to see how he does in the month of November um, and then takes it through the draft process. But you can't you can't coach size. You can't coach speed. And he's got both those things. I'm sure Dave's going to get to my Jay in a second. But you mentioned always a lack of depth at defensive tackle. Uh, do Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown pop on that radar at all? Or I think Brooks is, is really having a, an outstanding super senior season. Yeah. And Malik Van too. Um, yeah. yeah. All those, all those guys are going to be in the mix. So, um, you know, they, they don't get talk, talked about as much as some of those other guys do. You brought up Maje, um, and some of the other guys and, and, and sauce and those guys. So they kind of get overlooked, but they're good football players that played a lot of football for them. I mean, it, it seems like, it seems like Brooks and Van have been there forever. Um, and they're good football players. So yeah, they will, they will definitely be in the mix for the game as well. How much do guys like that get a boost because it's becoming established that Cincinnati is a culture where guys are known to kind of have that, that genuine, like, you know, love for football, that, that correct attitude that, um, you, you know, that when you get one of the Luke Fickles guys, they're going to come in and, and be about the right things. Like, does that factor in much at this stage or is that more like in the interview stage and when things get a little closer to, to draft process? I mean, I don't know what stage it comes into play, but it, it definitely plays a factor. It really does. Um, I mean, it, it, it's reassuring as a, as a scout when you're, you know, as a franchise that you kind of know what you're going to get from certain programs. And I'll just speak to it from, you know, the senior bowl standpoint, um, like Notre Dame guys, we've had a bunch of Notre Dame guys in the game over the last few years. And those kids are studs. Like they come down here, they're on a business trip, they handle their business. They're, you know, they're just, they're just, they're pros already. They're just, the maturity sticks out with guys in that program. So, um, you know, and then same thing with like bringing it to like the Alabama program. That is such a competitive program and you're stacking five stars on five stars every year, by the time they get to seniors or be draft eligible, like they, they've really competed at a high level. And that, yeah. you know, NFL teams don't take that stuff for granted. I mean, that's that's great stuff. That's what you're looking for. So, yeah, absolutely. I think I think the thing that's going to help a lot of those guys um, is that there's going to be there's going to be a, been a lot of foot traffic through the school this year. So, you know, not in a typical year, you'll have a lot of area scouts or, or national scouts come through the building. Um, but when you got guys like Desmond Ritter and Maje Sanders and Sauce Gardner and, you know, some of these other guys, I mean, that's going to get director level guys. That's going to get some GMs. That's going to get, you know, key decision makers through the, through the building. And it's just human nature. When you get those guys through the building, now they have a personal investment. They've been into Cincinnati. They've talked to those coaches in the building. They've been out at practice. They've seen them. So it's just, it's, it's very natural. I think for on draft day, um, for guys that are going to be helping, you know, pull that card off the board. I mean, they're going to be invested in the players they went out and saw. I think that's, you know, that's not an indictment on anyone. That's just human nature. Um, so when, when you have that kind of foot traffic, I think all these guys are going to benefit. My J, we mentioned my J Sanders doesn't have the sack numbers. Seems like just because he's either a tick from missing the sack or they're double, triple teaming him. What, um, you know, he spits the, the prototype mold. What, what is, you know, the things that you guys like most about him? And, you know, what do you think he can do to kind of, I know, maybe push himself even further up the board the rest of, of this season? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously speed and violence. Um, he's got those two things. I mean, that guy, 
to me, sacks are one of the most overrated stats. I mean, they look really pretty on paper, but you got to put on the tape and see how disruptive a guy is. Sometimes it doesn't. So sometimes it doesn't materialize in sacks. And I'll use like Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan as an example of this. I don't think Aiden's any different of a football player than he was last year. Um, but he came into this year with four and a half career sacks. I mean, that you put on the tape last year to watch Quiddy pay. And then like Josh Uche the year before. And I mean, Aiden Hutchinson jumps off the tape. The dude's athletic. He plays his tail off. He's instinctive. He's violent. Um, but now he's become, you know, kind of the darling of the, of the draft process right now because he's getting to the quarterback and it's, it's, it's producing some sacks. But to me, I don't think he's any different of a football player. Now, Maje doesn't have the sack numbers to back it up, but you put on the tape, he's still violent. He's still he's screaming off the ball. Um, he's disruptive. He's creating for other people. He's affecting the quarterback. So, again, those numbers might not be there, but he's, to me, a guy. We get him down here to Mobile against some of the best tackles in this year's draft, and he puts together, you know, five, six, seven really good rushes over the course of the week. Um I mean, he's going to make a lot of money. He's like, that dude, that dude could make a lot of money here in Mobile. Alec Pierce is a guy that I might be one of the guys that's caught the most attention, at least from the UC team this year specifically. Uh, you know, had the huge game against Notre Dame. Has, has I think, you know, three out of the last four games scored a touchdown. You know, big, tall, physical, but has some elite, you know, testing numbers that he's probably going to put down. How high do you think a guy like him can climb? Because it seemed like going into the year, maybe draftable. Now you're third, fourth round type stuff. Is, is he just one that's going to just keep skyrocketing? He could. He could. Um, yeah, he's got legitimate size. I want to say he's like right under 6'3", like 6027, maybe off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, tall guy, strong, athletic background, athletic family. Uh, we know he's going to test well. He's got you know, legitimate, legitimate, um, you know, I want to say high school track stuff is what we, we have in our system. Um, we kind of have all the guys on our board that we have verified high school tracks data on. Um, we have a, we have a tag with a little sticker on their tag to kind of note that. And again, that's, that's the hard part about, about picking. I was warned this from uh, Phil Savage, the former Browns GM before my predecessor here at the senior bowl. I mean, he, he said that he's like, Jim, you don't have the benefit of the combine. Like you got, you got, you got to put your roster together before these guys do all that testing, and that can be challenging. So we've really leaned heavily into uh, the high school track stuff. has has been really, really beneficial to us. So he's got some of that. Um, you know, he's played a ton of special teams reps. That's going to help him for sure. Um, we look at guys that we've had in the game the last few years, like Terry McLaurin, Chase Claypool, Van Jefferson. Um, those guys were really good special teams players. Um, Alex played it has, has done a lot of gunner work, um, and, and, and been good at it. So that's going to separate himself when you get into those, you know, third, fourth, fifth round type area, that's what teams are going to look to. Cause again, you're not drafting those guys to get on the field and really make an impact year one as a wide out. So they're going to have to get to the game. They're going to get, have to get to Sundays in some way, shape or form. And that's usually on special teams. So that'll help Alec. And again, he should be having a good year. He's got a good quarterback. Um, they've got a good offense and, it's been nice to see him make that jump. He's a guy that we thought, you know, this might happen when we, we looked at the junior tape and it's always cool to see it come together and, and happen for a guy as a senior. They're four, they're both fourth year guys. I know Josh was listed as a, a red shirt junior Lenny listed as a senior. Um, what, what's the read on both Josh Wiley and uh, as somebody that, that kind of 
had a high expectations coming into this year. And then Leonard Taylor, who has, uh, I would assume, done a lot to help his case. Uh-oh. I don't think that's Jim. Yeah. We're, 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 we're losing you a little bit right now. Did you lose me? There we go. We got you back. Okay. You got me back? Yep. yep got you back. Okay. Yeah. So I'd like to stay away from that stuff, guys. I, I, I don't like talking about those underclassmen. I mean, that's well, the last thing we want is an all-star game to serve as an enticement yeah. for a player to leave school early. So I'd like to leave those guys alone. Okay. I, I didn't know if, if Lenny's, I guess Lenny's technically listed as a senior because he's played all four years. Um, Josh is a, would be a redshirt junior. So uh, I didn't. I, I'll say, I'll say this about the tight end class. It's going to be a really, really tough Really tough uh, cut this year. Uh, it's an it's a extremely deep tight end class. I mean, usually in a normal year, we struggle to find six to eight guys that, you know, we'd really like to have in the game. And this year, I think we could, we could get to like 12 to 14 that are, we'd be happy with all of them. It's, it's, it's probably our, it's definitely our deepest position group, especially compared to previous years. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a really tough cut when we have to make it. I guess here's the, the money question that, that people will want to hear. Is this the most talented group of five team you've seen since you've been doing this in terms of NFL talent? Uh, yeah. You know, those, some of those UCF teams um, were, were pretty darn talented when you look at some yeah, of the guys of that, that rolled, that rolled through UCF, but, but it's up there, you know, especially with the quarterback, the quarterback makes it different. Um, yeah. I, I think you'll see it on draft day. I mean, you could have five, six, seven draftable guys. And for, a, yeah, that's pretty unheard of for a group of five school. Dave, anything to close this out? I, I just have a question going back to your Dave, Cause I, I have to tell Dave to, to close us out because Dave no, is the biggest I, I draft we, nerd. I know. I think we he, hit he'll all talk the, to you for an hour. The, we <laughs> hit all the, all the UC guys. I have, I have two questions, just draft related. One, what draft term? Do you hate hearing the most like knee bender, arm talent, like which one of these cliches are the most annoying for, you know, for you guys to actually hear people in the media talk about? Okay. The most annoying term is the word vibes. Like that to me, <laughs> that is the most Twitter scout thing ever. When you hear people say he gives me such and such vibes. I have not in 20 years in the NFL sitting in draft rooms. I have never heard an NFL scout say that a player gives them vibes of another player. So that's just a personal thing. It, it, it makes me cringe when I, when I read it, um, I can't stand it. I tell all our scouting assistants never to use it in our office. Um, <laughs> just, uh, just something, just a, a personal pet peeve. Our player comparisons, something scouts don't like, cause I hate them. I don't think it's fair yeah. to the player 90% of the time. Yeah, no, they're way, way, way overused. I've tried to kind of get that across on social media since I've taken this job. Thank I, you. I, I have heard from some people that work in the media that like their, their employers make them do it. Um, I will say in that, like, if you're in, if you're an area scout doing the Midwest and you've got all that territory from Wisconsin down through Indiana, Illinois, Ohio to West Virginia, you've got 50 schools and you're, you know, grading three or 400 players, you might have a, a legitimate player comparison on 10% of those guys. Because again, yeah. all when you, when you make a player comparison as a scout, 
you are trying to paint a very, very accurate picture for your GM and your head coach. So when you say that player's name, it's like, okay, I know who that guy is without seeing right. it. Because a lot of times when you get into meetings, the GM hasn't seen the player yet. Like right now, people would be surprised like how, how, how little tape GMs are watching right now during a season. Um, it's very, very little. So, um, I mean, everything has to line up. The, the, height, the height, weight, speed has to line up. Um, the body type, just the body composition, the play style, um, the skill set, like it, it, it really has to all line up and then you will use a player comp. Whereas I feel like some of the stuff I read, is just, it's, it's, um, you mean it's just, like way, it's just way Penny, overdone. Like Penny Sewell's the next Anthony Munoz? Yes, absolutely. Like, like that, that one. one. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, 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 you're comparing Penny Sewell to a guy that's, one of the top five offensive linemen in the history of the game. Like that's yeah, that, that kind of stuff really we're, we're, we're suiting way too many. We're, we're suiting up too many guys for gold jackets before they right. play to snap. I'll, I'll let you get out of here on this one. When you were a scout, who is someone that you what pounded the table really vouched for that you guys ended up drafted and ended up having a nice career? Why was it Tom Brady? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't in New England. I got I got to New England Tom's second year. Um, Damn but, it. Uh, now, I would say probably one of my favorite players, and again, it, it, it pulling it back to what I'm doing here now, one of my favorite players I ever scouted was Rodney Hudson. Um, okay. When he was at Florida State, he was the, he was the first four-time first-team all-ACC lineman in the history of, of the conference. When I went to uh, Florida state that year, they had an offensive line coach named Rick Trickett and coach yep. Trickett's a legend. He's great at what he does. He's kind of a, a drill sergeant. You know, he's, he really coaches those kids hard. And he told me earlier in that day, he's like, you know, HUD's one of my guys, like I, HUD's like a son to me. He loved him. Um, and I go out to practice and I, prior to that day. And since that day, I've never seen it one time. Coach Trickett had, the offensive part of the offensive line group in one area of the, of the field, Rodney had the other half and he, he had the young guys and he was work. He was like basically the assistant offensive line coach at Florida state that year. It was, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, one of the smartest guys I've ever been around and we were in a situation in Kansas city where we needed a center and it was kind of like Rodney or another guy. Um, and I'd pushed really hard for Rodney. And, and again, there was a little, plenty of buy-in on the staff it's not like I was the lone ranger on Rodney Hudson but um it was just cool to get him um it was really cool to get him Kansas City and he you know was a really good player there and then uh after I left he went to the the Raiders and had a great career there and now he's in Arizona and I think I think Rodney's a really big reason why that's an undefeated football team this year so um when it's all said and done I think Rodney's gonna have a Canton type uh resume you know he's been the best at his position in the league for for almost a decade now, you know, at least in that, you know, top three or four centers in the league for about a decade. So he's uh, he's a personal favorite, just following him from the time he was in high school here. I mean, he's a great story. He'd go to practice at BC rain high school here. And then I think he, after work, he, after practice, he'd go to Popeye's chicken. He worked at some chicken place and, you know, worked and made money and helped his, help his mom make ends meet. So to now see him, you know, get three or four contracts in the NFL and, and really take care of himself and his family. It's been, uh, it's been pretty cool. And he's a great guy. We, we actually put him in the senior bowl hall of fame here, my first year at the game. So like three years ago, we put Rodney in the hall of fame and uh, he's just a stud. So he was, uh, that's one that I, I, I'm glad I was a part of that one. Awesome. Awesome. 
Great stuff. All right. Thanks, Jim. Greatly appreciated. We, uh, we love having you on. Maybe we'll get together sometime in the summer and just talk like draft stories and, and fun stuff after uh, maybe you get a chance to wind down after the draft and catch back up. Yeah, guys. Well, if you're, if you're really a true draft nerd, then you got to make it down to Mobile um, for the game. If we're going to have all these bear, if we're going to have all these Bearcats is, down is, here, you got to come down. Is Bearcat talk. Journal sending me down there? I'll they, send you they, down there. There you go. There we go. We made it happen right here on the oh, podcast. About I love that. It. I'll send you down there for, for a couple of days. There I think go. that would, that would be outstanding. Thanks, yeah. Jim. We really appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll let you know. I know you got some Thursday night football responsibilities to take care of, but this was absolutely awesome. He's Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese senior bowl. He's a draft analyst for ESPN, 18 year NFL scout, six time super bowl participant, four time super bowl champion. And now friend of the program, here at the BCJ Podcast. Jim, thank you so much. Have a great night, and uh, we will talk soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. That was fun. All right. You can just hit exit and leave. You're good. Thanks, man. All right, Dave, are you uh, are you head over heels now? Like, uh, hey, that, go, that? I got a, I got a draft fix in October. Yeah, we're, we're good to go. And if you're going to the Senior Bowl. Apparently, I'm going to the Mobile. Apparently. I'll get you a hotel for a couple nights. Yeah. So just give you some gas money. You might have to pay for your own food. That's all right. I don't, I don't know that I'll go that far. That's all right. But it's all right. We'll I might get like do. depending on depending on what the situation, maybe we'll roll down there together. And That's right. Have some fun. I think like it sounds like you got you got press passes. Like I mean, if if I mean I'm sure you can I mean fans can go watch practice. So it's not like you no, have, but I'm talking like right, like, maybe, we're in. Well, we could definitely get you just have to request them. That's not, I don't think that'll be a problem, especially no, but now. We, now we know the guy. Now, now we got a guy, you know, but yeah, I mean, the Bearcats, it'll be interesting to see when the, when the roster, I didn't know the rosters were coming out that, that soon. So um, I don't know if they release them in a month or if they decide on them in a month yeah, I don't and know. then I don't either, but that was, that was outstanding. So if you're out there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip a couple of those. I don't do this a lot. I'm going to clip a couple of those and put them on Twitter. If you're out there and you think Cincinnati doesn't have enough talent to compete with the top teams in the country, Jim Nagy just told you you're wrong. He well, just told I mean, you you're wrong. But those people have been watching college football since 2017. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's why I wanted to do that. Like, I, I, I'm so sick. Of hearing it, Dave. I like I'm how so you, sick you of have taken it. over the mantle from me. Like, I, you're, you're, you're doing God's work. I, on the other hand, I don't, I don't really you're over to, it. I don't really need to interact with people who support a team that gave the Bearcats basically a similar challenge to what Miami, Ohio did. Like, I don't have time for you. I'm on to bigger and better things. <laughs> Yeah. Well, again, I warn people I'm kind of in quarantine now. Like, you know, it's you have nothing else to do but Twitter fight. Right. Like this is in my wheelhouse. Like I'm back into like middle I'm back in like April 2020 right now in the Brendel household. Like you want to throw you want you want to get in these Twitter streets with me right now. Like I I literally don't have anything else I'm allowed to do. I was allowed to go to practice Tuesday. That was really nice. 
because I'm allowed outside for the time being. I'm, I'm allowed to go to things that are outside. Uh, but I'm not allowed to do things that are inside. So I couldn't do the press conference. I couldn't do basketball media yesterday. Uh, so I'm stuck here. I don't have nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. I just but run like, Bearcat Journal and fight with people on Twitter. I just, I don't have, like, I have a, a two-year-old. I, I, I don't need to deal with other two-year-olds. Like, I just can't, I can't get involved with such, such imbeciles. Do, do we even bother talking about it or, I mean. What, how they just totally dominated the game? No, for some reason, like, we have to bow down at the altar of 2017 UCF. I, I will do none of that. Neither will I. Although I did, th- I tried. I told them, thank you. Thank you for creating all of these great opportunities. Now will you shut the fuck up and go away? And I even said, pretty please. But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. When you, whenever you say please, you usually get what you want. But apparently, I no. said pretty please. Exactly. I didn't even say I said pretty please. That's even better. Like I, I probably should have added with sugar on top. But I, I don't. There's just, like I don't have any. I don't have anything else to say to them. To, and they're not. You know, I don't want to paint with the broad brush. Just like I don't want our fan base painting with a broad brush. But like, even after you know, everybody knows listening to to us. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And most of them this week were what you would expect, but you still had like the comment here, or there. Like one of my favorites was, "Well, my you know, Des Ritter still isn't very impressive." I mean, Mikey Keene threw from more yards than he did. I'm like, because Des <laughs> didn't have to throw the ball because you're because you put five people in the box to stop your, Jerome Ford. Your rush defense was like a colander. Like, I mean, what what? He just thought they were just gonna. He was just gonna throw because they felt like throwing. Like he was bored. They were like, hoping that apparently. Or I mean, what was the one? Um, one of them. Said, I, I I liked. He was like. Uh, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was actually better than it appeared. <laughs> I was like, which part? Like they're they're like all of this is because they got a couple stops in the third quarter, right? And all of a sudden they were like, "We belong on the field with these guys." I mean, we're everybody as good as they are. It was legit, like the most thorough twenty-eight minute ass kicking that I think I've ever seen of programs that are supposed to be competent to each other, like not your UC Murray State or your Alabama Savannah State or right. your, your Georgia Wofford like these two teams are supposed are to be in the same stratosphere like i'm not like their injuries are are very debilitating very serious but even so for 28 minutes that was as thorough and as jaw dropping of a beatdown that i think i've ever seen I put the stats on Twitter. Their first 29 or 24 plays at 29 yards. I don't even mean just from like a number standpoint. Like they just, well, that, but, but they but just the numbers looked like a different, like these were not the same teams. Like, well, here's, here's the, my the question. physical standpoint. Like Jerome Ford breaking tackles nonstop. They're running back two are smaller, but Isaiah Bowser as well. 
going down at the, at the touch of a finger. Their offensive line was supposed to be the strong point of their team. Curtis Brooks took that poor boy's soul he did. On, on that play. Like, he took his soul. I have never seen a center get jarred that hard into a quarterback like that. Like, never. You never see a center just at the snap of the ball just get his his soul taken from his body. And then I, uh, Brian Cook breaks the guy in half. I mean, it, it might be, you know, it's – I don't want to, you know, be – hyperbolic like it might be your it might be your play of the season it might be my favorite favorite, my favorite play of the last two years because so many things were done perfectly like it wasn't one guy just made like an amazing like supernatural play it was like so many guys did exactly what they were supposed to do and did it at an insanely high level that's this defense in 2021 like it's and these it's, motherfuckers thought that they could could run with us. Like that's yeah. the part that cracks me up is that that after the game, for the most part, they were like, "Man, that defense is damn good. Like they are legit." But before the game, you thought you were going to put forty three on this defense. Like, do you not watch the sport? And that's the conclusion I came to. Leading up to the game was like their fans legit just don't watch the sport. They watch UCF football, and that is it. Because there is no way that you could watch your team with the injuries that they've had play Navy and ECU and watch UC the way they've played and come to the conclusion that we are going to score five, no, six touchdowns against them. <laughs> Like, you cannot watch the sport, watch your team, watch UC, and, and say that. It's not possible. You just got rocks for, for brains if that's what you came up with. Yeah. No disagreement there. Jim just DM'd us. I'll let you respond to that one on the Bearcat DM, Bearcat Journal okay. DMs, because that's your guy. Like, I, want, right. I, I don't want to respond to that. I want, it'll be more heartfelt from you okay. because I feel like you're – you know, your kindred spirits with Jim Nagy. Yeah, I like the draft guys. I like the <laughs> you draft. do. And this is the guy that, like, he, he has a massive hand. I mean, he, what- he's probably, you know, realistically speaking, like, he's the highest person from a draft perspective that you can actually get in contact with. Yeah. And now he I would, can, like, you sent him the... Through a friend, through a friend, I can probably get in contact with the Bills GM, who, by the way, was at the game last week. But there is a zero percent chance he would come on the podcast, right? And talk like he's not (laughs) allowed, no, to talk about since I could text him and he would probably text me back, but that would be the extent of it. Like Jim is as high up in the draft world as you can probably get to come on your podcast. But yeah. going back to the game, like, I think that's why we get so I'm, – I'm not mad, but, like, why I get so heated about this is, like, you, like you, they, you just talk out of your ass and you say things that anybody that 
legitimately pays attention to goes, there's no way these guys can, can stay in this game. Now, did I think it was going to be like a snap of a finger, 28, nothing type? No. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think anybody did. But like seven, seven drives, Dave, they got one first down. They, they, they went one, six and out. The other one. We gifted, out six times. We gifted them 14 points because of special teams. How about you get fucking better at special teams? It's not an right? excuse that your special right? teams suck. Like, it's not an excuse that you can't block and you got a punt block. And it's not an excuse that your returner is trying to make basket catches over his head. Like, get better. You don't say, oh, we just gifted him 14 points. It, it shouldn't have been that much. No, because I'm not here to go, well, we gifted you seven points at the end of the game on two total BS p- pass interference calls. Like, so if you want to play that game, it should have been 40, 42 to 14. What's the difference? Exactly. Couldn't agree more. Um, what'd you think of getting a, a little bit of an extended look at Jaheen Thomas, who, uh, who was in for Darian Beavers that, that as we have, have found out, he was at practice on Tuesday, as I've talked about uh, a couple times, um, in a red jersey, but mostly full go. I would expect to see Beavers on Saturday at uh, Navy Stadium. Um, but Jaheim got a little extra look and, and seven tackles, only playing a half. Like he was, I thought he was active. I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure he made, he made mistakes. mistakes. I'm sure, yeah. But I mean, he didn't, from what I gathered, he didn't, you know, he wasn't shying away from anything. He was active. He, he, he seemed to not be out of place. So, I mean, you know, all, all good things going forward. Um, I don't know. Jerome Ford's really good. Jerome Ford is really good. You know what? I want to, like, I was trying to think of, like, you know, uns, not unsung heroes, but guys that when you have this much, talent and you're playing this well that maybe you're getting overlooked and we brought him up a little we brought him up with Jim and I just want to hit on it a little bit like Curtis Brooks is a dude yeah he is like I mean, a tied great for the, tied for team lead in sacks from the defense tackle position I mean he is making plays on the edges he's destroying whoever tries to block him like he is having a freaking year Without question. And, and I mean, that's, that is such an important part when you're running the defense that they run to have someone in the middle like that, that can, can take on double teams, can win one-on-one battles. I mean, when can you move, when can you, push the pocket from, well, from well, that's the middle. The thing is when you push the pocket from the middle, it makes the quarterback bail out so much faster than if, he sees one of the edge guys because he can either step up and elude the guy to the same side that he's coming from, let the guy just basically run by him. And it doesn't necessarily screw the play up. Or he can, he's a fast quarterback. He can just take off running or whatever. But like when you come up the middles, you're basically, you know, you're forcing them into the edge guys, but then you're, you're making his eyes drop immediately yeah, because the pressure is in his face and he cannot see you know, who might be open and it's just such, such a huge deal. And he definitely has had a massive, massive first half of the season. Would he get your nod for maybe biggest, like, uh, unexpected? Cause like, 
Last year, he dealt with a bunch of injuries that didn't get talked about a lot because on that defensive line, there were so many guys that it kind of went un, unnecessary, like unnoticed because it wasn't like well, glaring this, that he was out. And in you know this defense, I mean? Yeah, and in this defense, it's hard to – like you're – it's a – a thankless job to be in the middle of the D line in a three, three, five, like you're almost double teamed on every play. So yeah. your, your chances to make splash plays are not supposed to be there, but I mean, he is clearly, you know, making plenty of them. Uh, I'm just super, super impressed. I mean, his sack against UCF was on the sideline. Yeah. Chased it down. Yeah, I mean, from not, the middle, that's not supposed to happen. Like it's it's just not. So yeah, kudos kudos to to him. And I, I mean, I definitely think you know, coming back for another year. You know, I don't know. I can't tell you in late October whether he's a draftable guy or not. I mean, look, I don't know, I have any idea who. But as Jim said, I mean, defensive tackles are becoming fewer and fewer and he's shown that he could play the nose and he, the you know and I'm sure he can play you know a traditional you know three tech or five tech so he's he's definitely gonna have some versatility um you want you want to talk about give me your thoughts on on what we're seeing from Jerome Ford because he's starting to look like the most complete explosive back here since Isaiah P. Like oh, when I he, I think he's starting to. I mean, he is. When he gets a lane, forget it. Oh yeah, forget you're, it. You're not catching. His I think, I'm just, I think I'm most impressed just with his his uh, <clears throat> short area quickness that he then can turn like into turn, top speed to turn top speed quickly and just just. I mean, I think, I think his size is a little, like, not misguided, but like a little bit. Like, he breaks a lot of tackles, and he does not he does. come across as like a big back. Well, it's his balance. Like, like, like a, big, a, guy a big back is Mike Warren. Like in the yeah. in your in your mind's eye, like he does not come across. And he doesn't come across as like a slasher, but like. He does not come across as a, as a thumper, and those dudes could not tackle him. I mean, he's dragging dudes. He's he's going backwards dragging guys. Like, I just think it's a, it's an element, and the offensive line is blocking outstanding. I mean, you know, I don't know. Did they have – I know Tunstall had a hold, and they might have had one – false start and I think it might have been the same against Temple they had a hold on the first when right when we had talked about getting Jerome well, they had, outside they ran a pitch play on the first play of the game and had a hold on it yeah well they had they had a they, well, they had four penalties on the offensive line but just happened on one play uh when when, when they called false start oh, well, that, was entire, the that, was, that was a penalty on that was a penalty on Jake Red. I know, but they called it on yeah. everyone but the center. That was the, the whole, all other ten guys moved, <laughs> and Jake just held on to the ball for yeah, an extra. Someone beat. forgot it was on two. <laughs> I forgot it was on one. Thought it was on two. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, he's it. like 
what are you supposed to do? Like, right. Great. You want to load up the box to stop him? That means you got one-on-one coverage with Alec Pierce, Michael Young, Tyler Scott. Taylor, Tyler Scott, Josh Wilder. You want to do what UCF did? Take away the pass? Okay. We're still going to run a lot of two tight end. So you're going to be outnumbered in base packages. Like, yeah, or at least even evenly if you, numbered. Even if you have six guys in the box. Yeah. You're at least one, we're at least man up. You know, because we're going to have five offensive linemen and a tight end. At least one tight end on every play. And you have no accounting for the running back. Right. It's just, I mean, this offense has been fun to watch. Like the evolution, I, this is where, this is where I maybe give Luke Pickle credit more than anything, right? Because a lot of defensive minded coaches would have just said, whatever, we're going to be so good on defense. Like, I'm not all that concerned with like fixing every little nook and cranny of the offense, you right? Mean you mean they'll be like Iowa? Yeah, exactly. Georgia's even to an extent. Now, Georgia, like, Pickens going out drastically changed what Georgia is because that dude was – Pickens going out, that just meant Lad McConkey can get in there and just show everybody what's up. Just the baddest white boy wide receiver in the SEC (laughs) history. Think how good he would be with Pickens on the other side of him. The kid's name is Lad McConkey. Like, get out of here. But I mean, that that to me says more about the continuity and like the the attention to detail of this staff that they looked at the offense and said, we're probably going to be top 10 good in defense for the foreseeable future two years ago. Because you had all these guys like you're talking, you know, Wiggins and Forrest and those guys were going into their junior campaigns. And you had Sauce and Myjay and this next wave coming up. Like, we're going to be awesome on defense for a while. But the offense, the, the talent at wide receiver wasn't where it needed to be. And they, they just flat out said, it's not good enough. We have to get better. And they not only said it, they went out and did it. And teams from Ohio, Dave, aren't supposed to be this fast. This team is fast. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at it, like, just look at 2019 compared to this year. It's it's unbelievable. Just in the sense of, like, good teams with really good defenses can only take you so far. And so far – Yeah, and they knew it. So far can be – still be really good. But it can't be great. It can't be great, and, and I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna say national title winner, but like, look at Iowa, look at Kentucky, like, really, really, really good defenses. But you can't yeah. just not have playmaking ability. You can't have. You can't not have game changers. You are not going to beat the best of the best, twenty to thirteen. Like you're just not. You need an offense that has the ability to score with another elite team that can do that similar thing to your defense. As good as you think your defense is, you have to have the ability to go shot for shot if you want to go where we clearly think UC wants to go. 
And yeah. as asinine as that might sound, like, I know, you know, there's all this talk about making the playoff. And, and it's, that's fine. Like, it's not really something I think a ton about, honestly, because it's yes. not, it's not, well, I don't even know. I mean, my thing is, is if you were in the SEC and you were really damn good, if you're Georgia and all you had to do was win all your games, it's all I would think about. But you're in the American conference you can win all your games, and it still might not happen. So I'm going to enjoy the hell out of each week that I get to watch the best team in school history who maybe will go to the playoff. But if they don't, that is not going to diminish how good this team is. So I'm not going to waste a lot of time worrying about them making the playoff because it's not truly up to them. Like, we joke about chaos, and I tweet about chaos and everything. Like, there's been a lot of chaos through six weeks. There still needs to be a whole lot of chaos yeah, for, for them to make it. So, like, I'm not going to spend much time on that part of it. Like, I'll tweet stuff out. I'll, if the game's close, that matters. Like, we'll be excited about it if it goes our way. But, like, the focus should be on we get to watch this team play. And if they make the playoffs, great. If they don't, you know, and they go 13-0 and they kick the crap out of everybody, whatever. Like, I'll be mad about it because I think they're, they deserve to be in the conversation if those things happen. And, and we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way with all these other teams. Um, but, like, they have the defense, and I think they have the offense. To in a in a two game situation, win the national championship. Can you believe that's something you're actually saying about UC? Of course, football? of course not. Because it's not. <laughs> I mean, and it sounds ridiculous to say because people can go, well, they they might not even make the playoff. How can you say they could win the national championship? I'm just looking at it from the specific team. Like, if they played Georgia ten times, how many times would Georgia win? I don't know. Probably the majority. I mean. Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis would be difficult to block. <laughs> He's yeah. difficult to block for everybody. So I don't. The play know. he had against Kentucky, where they like they forced him left, like he he kind of went a, left. How does anybody force that man anywhere? Well, I think more than he thought the play went left, and then the running back cut right. So he went left, and the center kind of like moved to like like wall him off so he couldn't get back to the right and he just took him and went <laughs> as the play went back to the right and he made the tackle but like you know ohio state is playing a lot better i want to see it against somebody other than maryland Rutgers. Fair. alabama is still really good but if you can they have flaws this year right they're not like death star alabama this year Oklahoma seems like they figured stuff out with Caleb Williams. I want to see it against Oklahoma State, which they won't lose Oklahoma State because they never lose Oklahoma State. But I want to see it against Baylor. Like, Baylor, I think, is legit good. I think Iowa State might be figuring some things out. Is is definitely – like, that line this week against Oklahoma State is is a somebody-knows-something line. Like, 
Iowa State's got two losses. Oklahoma State's undefeated, and Iowa State's a seven-point favorite. Like, somebody knows something about that game. But, like, outside of Georgia, if you're, if you're not, not diplomatic, but not biased, and you just watch the game, damn teams play, and you don't have some preconceived notion that UC is only doing this because they're playing Temple. Or this is a not a very good Notre Dame team because they lost the game to UC. Like, is it is it a playoff Notre Dame team? No. But like my my great analogy to that is if Ohio State played at Notre Dame instead of playing Oregon at home and won the exact same way that UC won, would anybody be talking about how well it's not that impressive because Notre Dame isn't as you know the, the usual Notre Dame team. No, they'd be talking about how awesome Ohio State is because they how went great, and broke. How great of a win that Ohio State had for going into Notre Dame and ending their twenty whatever game home yeah. winning streak. Like if 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 they just had different jerseys, if UC walked in there with Ohio State jerseys on, no one well, would be, like I, No one it, would be it, talking about how you know Notre Dame isn't as impressive this year or that win's not as impressive because Notre Dame has a loss, which none of that makes sense. But, well, it's like I talked about, nobody's talking about the fact that Texas A&M looked like shit this year until they beat Alabama. Right, now it becomes, well, that's the Texas A&M that we thought we were going right. to get. With their third-string quarterback, yeah. That's the Texas A&M <laughs> we thought we were going to I mean – I just like Mo brought it up the other day. Like, when does winning and losing actually matter? Yeah, it was a great segment by Mo. What like, was that, how many? Tuesday? Yeah, I want, yeah, I think so. Like, how many losses does Alabama need to take? I'm just using that as an example. Like, how many losses do they need to take until people, the general public, would go, well, this just isn't a very good team? Right. Like, how many times do they have to lose for the losses to actually matter? At least two. At least. Because people are trying to put Alabama number two right now. With the loss. Like, there is that conversation. Cincinnati's number two, but we know Alabama's better. You're telling me Cincinnati's not better than Texas A&M? Well, they Texas A&M beat Alabama, Chad. So they can't possibly be better. They also beat Colorado seven to nothing, who is – or ten to seven, something like that. That is hot garbage. And like, they lost to what? Arkansas and Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, I don't. I know they lost to Arkansas. I don't know. I'm not sure about their other loss. But I mean, it's it's just the stuff that you can talk yourself in circles and drive yourself crazy around about, and that's why Mississippi am, State. They lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State. Who lost to Memphis? Who's also terrible. Um, yeah, they lost to Mississippi State at home in October. <laughs> so that is why I try to spend way more time appreciating this team than thinking about scenarios and what ifs and stuff like that. Because yeah, I I agree on that. Because if I, it I, doesn't I, happen, it's I'm it will not diminish what we are getting to watch, like. Every home, like I had, granted, it, it had 
it, it helped that we beat the shit out of UCF. But like, I had <laughs> so much fun at the game on Saturday, and I wasn't thinking about, I wasn't scoreboard watching, I wasn't wondering if there were any other games that were helping our chances of making the playoffs. Like, I just had so much fun at the game watching this team play, and and I'm just gonna try to c- continue that because. I don't, I'm not going to worry about that shit. It's fair. It's fair. It, like it's, it's accurate. It's fair. I've preached that the entire time. Enjoy it. Uh, I've decided just because I'm home and I'm bored that I'm going to fight the good fight. Now maybe out. when the rankings come out in two weeks and they're like, this, <laughs> they're like fly off the handle, the whole thing changes, but you know, who knows? Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. Still, there's still so much like the season goes by so fast and yet it's only halfway over. Like I have a hard time believing that we're going to have as chaotic of a first seven weeks of a season. And then all of a sudden the back end is just going to be chalk. Like nobody worth the shit's going to lose the rest of the way. Right. Like it's very I, I, hard I, to see that happen. I said this on Mo today. Like, you know, if you're the worrying type, the teams directly behind Cincinnati are Oklahoma, Ohio State, and uh, uh, well, Alabama. 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 Michigan. Like, Michigan State. I mean, but a lot uh, of them. The, 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 the Big Ten East is going to take care of itself. I'm talking about when you're when you're trying to get in, when you're trying to break through into the playoffs, right? You're trying to break through against Oklahoma. The the bluest of the blue Alabama (laughs) and Ohio State. Like, Clemson has eliminated themselves. (laughs) Georgia hasn't really ever been, like, a major factor in the playoff. But at least every other year, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma are in, right? Right. And Georgia's, Georgia's in. Georgia is going to play for a championship. Yeah, they're. I don't see them losing. I I feel very confident that they will not lose a game. If they lose once, they are still in. Well, if they lose once, it's just the winner of the SEC championship game. Well, they. I mean, I'm saying they have a fluke Saturday where. Oh, yeah, because if they know, if they go beat Alabama, they're still they're in. Still at 12, in. At, at, yeah. at uh, twelve and one. Yeah, they're yeah. still in. So. That's like that's the concern, right? Like on your heels are the three teams that everybody expects to be in. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama. Big 10 champ, Big 12 champ, SEC champ. Right. Even if Alabama's not the SEC champ, but you get what I'm saying, like sure. everybody expects those three teams to get in. If those three teams run the table, Oklahoma will be undefeated, they'll be in. I mean, you basically, yeah, you basically have to hope the, the most likely scenario is Georgia wins out, beats Alabama, Ohio State wins out, Oklahoma wins out, UC wins out, and those are your four teams. Yeah. Yeah. But like, is it scary? Like, from a, from a, a perspective of what, what has to all break right. for Cincinnati like, to make the playoffs, are you, are the you teams put behind a, Cincinnati are the most fearful teams you could right. possibly fucking have. Well then, you, then you have then you then you dig into the stuff that actually would piss you off is like, does a pack a one loss Pac twelve champ Oregon with a loss to Stanford get in? 
over UC. Right. Does a does a one loss Michigan who doesn't even go to the Big Ten championship game? Do they no get way. it over UC? I'm just saying, like no those way. are the things that those are the things that would make me mad. Yeah, like, but then again, we saw a three loss Iowa jump ahead of uh, Iowa State. Iowa State exactly. jump ahead of an and, undefeated UC and, last year. Well, two loss Iowa State, three loss Florida. Right, that's what it was. Whatever. But see, but that's what I'm saying. Like all these things that in your mind are like, there's no way that'll happen. That's bet the track record. So like, until yeah. the track record isn't the track record, like I I don't trust any of these people. I don't think that they are in this their positions for the betterment of the sport as a whole. So like, I'm certainly not going to let them ruin my fun. And this should be fun. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a blast, man. You know how many times in the next 20 years, and, and maybe, maybe UC becomes Clemson. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It, it could happen. I, I'm not ruling it out. But what are the odds in the next 20 years in the number of seasons UC is ranked in the top two in college football? Look at it this way. Next week, Georgia plays Florida. Yeah. They're, they're not going to lose. No. But what if they did? Would they put UC number one in the country? In the, yeah. In the AP poll? I think they would. And, and just like, like they're, they'd be number one in the country. One week from the college football playoff no, ranking two, coming out. Two days. Comes out November second. Oh, okay, okay. The- I thought you next week. Okay, next yeah. week. I got you. I got you. I got you. I and thought I you meant think, this Saturday. No, next I think they I think it's next Saturday. Is the cocktail party? Okay, but like, yeah, two days before. UC the- is number one in the country and number five in the CFP. You talk <laughs> exactly. about, you talk about revolt. You talk about everybody all of a sudden jumping on Cincinnati's side, right? It'd be wild. It'd be wild. I'm here for a while. You know that. I know. I know that Georgia ain't fucking losing Florida. No, no they're not. I mean, Florida's, Florida's a mess right now. I mean, Dan Mullen's telling like people publicly. I'm that trying quarter- to go to the NFL. That his Please, quarterback NFL doesn't, hire me. That his quarterback doesn't know half the playbook. And like, well, did you like- did you hear the report on Saturday or like the the conversation on Saturday during the game where it was like. Dan Mullen did not expect to be at Florida this year. He thought he had an NFL job. Yeah, he wanted the Jets job. Yeah, and then when he didn't get the Jets job, he was kind of like, oh, shit. Dan Mullen is a turd. I do not want good things to happen to him. <laughs> um, you're, you're, you're the player haters ball on Dan Mullen? Yeah, I hope all the bad things happen to him and only him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, not not a. And it's not, it has nothing to do with like being a Tennessee grab. Like he's like legitimately like a, a not good dude. Like yeah, that's no. the vibe I get from Dan Mullen. Uh, what do you think of watching Luke's uh, Wired Wednesday? Like that's just a guy that loves coaching football, man. <laughs> like he's a he's that, a meathead. Yeah, he's a foot I mean, like the football guy to the essential core of being a football guy. Yeah, and people have pointed it out. If you go through and watch the Wired Wednesday, there's a point where Sauce, and it's a wide receiver. I couldn't tell who. I think it might have been Tyler Scott. 
where they're doing a one-on-one blocking drill. And Luke is standing right behind him, and he blows the whistle. And Sauce and this wide receiver lock. And they're like, like, deathmatch trying to block each other. And this wry smile comes across Luke's face like it was the best thing he had seen all week. <laughs> that his, you know, first round NFL draft pick corner is like in the trenches battling in a blocking drill. And he was just like, mm, excellent. Like, yeah, the plan's all coming together. <laughs> like, you could tell. Processing nicely. Yes. What about Sauce putting the rock bottom on it, dude? And then the, the, the run from behind tackle. He is, 50 uh, yards downfield. I, mean, I, I don't know how he's not cornerback cor- two. It, like, if you want to insist Stingley is quarterback one, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know enough about, like, Kyer Elam and, and some of the other guys that PFF, uh, you know, seems to like. Um, There's nobody PFF likes more than Sauce. He's like their fifth corner, though. Until they do a mock draft. Well, no, in this and, mock, he went six. Yeah, he went six. He was their sixth corner. No, what other questions? Pick. He went or, yeah, the sixth he pick. He was the sixth pick. Yeah. Which that's, I think that's a little rich for, for my blood, just the way that it corners picks. go. Like if, if he go, if he runs yeah, but uh, in this draft, a, four, it's three, be a, lot, of, a lot of big people. Um, I know. But kind if he of, goes and runs a four, three, eight or a four, four, one no, I, I with don't everything disagree. else he does, he could be a top 10 pick. It's hard to get, in the, yeah, he could. It's hard to get in the top 10 as a corner. Like, you've got to be like Champ Bailey level, like Charles Woodson type shit. But I'm kind of, I mean, it's kind of frustrating. Not really. I'd say it jokingly, but like, he's exact, like, the Bengals need to draft a corner in this draft in the first round, and they'll, they'll have opportunities. I would like it to be him, but, um, you know, they, they might actually end up being too good. <laughs> right. For now. Which we didn't think would be the case <laughs> three months ago, but. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, his chase down play, I think was, was more impressive because I mean, he ran down the fastest player on their team who had quite a bit of a head start, being that he was on the opposite side of the field. Yeah. It was Josiah Deguara, like against UCLA. I I like, you know, that's, that's what it was. Every bit, like it wasn't as, uh as open field as Josiah was. So it no, might not get some of the height. It wasn't like there was, I mean, if he didn't, well, there was more tackle, traffic around, I guess was the thing. But if he didn't make that tackle, I don't I mean, he might've scored. Yeah. So, you know, it just goes to the stuff we've talked about with the tackling in general. It's just been, I mean, their whole, I was kind of, in, you know, I don't, think we need to talk too much more about the game i was really surprised with ucf's game plan i did not really understand what they were trying to do offensively um i was actually pretty impressed with mike keen i thought he threw the ball really well uh especially on the move like his his best throws were on you know hard rollout bootleg plays and I'm kind of surprised they didn't do more of that. Dave. But, th- th- like, Dave. What? Dave. What? what? They ran a Statue of Liberty package. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not a Statue of Liberty play, 
a they, package of plays. They waited a little too long to unveil it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. But they also were like, look, the only way we can, we can do anything against this defense is not to trick them with one Statue of Liberty play. It's to develop seven Statue of Liberty plays <laughs> to roll out against this opponent. It was, it was just, it was strange. Like when the game was still technically in the balance, you had like a third and 12 and a third and five where they basically just ran it up the middle. Yeah. And, and we're just like, we're not good enough to get this first down. I mean, you can be not good enough, but like, that's not even trying. Well, yeah, that, that like they acknowledge we are like, not good enough to get this first down. You, you can't run that play on third and five, no matter how outclassed you think you are. Like, that is a, de- a defeatist play. They were defeated. Well, they were defeated <laughs> soundly. After seven possessions, it was 35 to nothing. Yeah, it was uh, thorough ass kicking. Is yes, I think is the best way and, and final way to describe it. All right. Um, I know you're probably not gonna have a, much on Navy, but this is a preview podcast by <laughs> by nature. Yeah, I got bless, I got a little bit. You. I got a little bit. So uh give me the rundown. Well, here, I, what? if I gave you these two stats, which one would you be more surprised from a Navy team? We're, in, we're like an hour and a half into this podcast, and we have yet to say one word about Navy. Well, um, they actually are hitting some splash plays on offense. Well, aren't they? here's the thing. Their offense is actually way worse than their defense. Um, but what if I told you that the Naval Academy and their triple option had eight rushing touchdowns so far this year? That would tell me that the Naval Academy is in big trouble. What if I then told you that the Naval Academy and their triple option offense have given up 24 sacks so far this year? That makes absolutely no sense. And I I saw that last week. They gave up like five sacks last week, didn't they? They gave up, I think, four. Four? Four or five? On like 12 dropbacks. Yeah. You should stop dropping back. But they're actually making some big plays in the passing game. Which I when don't their know quarterback if, is upright. I don't know if there's sacks. Like, I don't know how. Like, it's tough to calculate sacks. Like, if you tackle the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage and he's running the option, does it count as a sack or does it count as a rush? Like, I, I don't know. It's hard to – it's kind of hard to parse through that. I mean – I would guess if they've already, like, faked to the fullback and he's running – you know, the option, I mean, that's a tackle for a loss. I would, their I would offense guess. Is, is pretty dreadful. Like in SP plus it's 123rd. Yeah. Their leading rusher has 308 yards. He's the B back, which is for most people is the fullback. Their leading receiver has seven catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. Their quarterback is 10 for 21 with the, with 12, with their main quarterback with 12 sacks, which I think he's playing Ty Lavatola or something. He is. Uh, he was concussed against Memphis, but I think it sounds like he he cleared protocol and is going to play. Um, but it it's just it's very strange. Like 
hell. Like they're 127th in yards per play offense. They're averaging barely over four yards a play. And they're 98th, yeah. they're 98th in yards per carry at 3.62. Like that is strikingly bad for a triple option team. I mean, I said this with Mo today. This comes down to three and outs, right? Right, for sure. Because even if they get two first downs and only gain, they can take six minutes off the clock. Three yards, that's going to take six, seven minutes. Yeah. And they know. Like, they are coming in. If you're playing UC, they are definitely running. Like, they are not, like, they are shortening the game to the most possible way that they can. Yeah. They're snapping with under seven seconds Which, on the play clock every hopefully, time. That, hopefully that doesn't change the way you see goes about offense. Like, I would still run the shit out of the ball and not just have, some, have the idea that, like, oh, we got less time, so we need to try to throw and stretch the field. Yeah, I mean, because, it's going to come down to what, what does Navy's defense get, like, try to give them. Like, well, if Navy I mean, stacks the box. Well, here, I can tell you, they are 114th in pass efficiency defense. <laughs> so, they're probably going to try to, like, step, drop back and, and not let Cincinnati pass. Well, they're also giving up 6.8 yards per play, and they're, 100, <laughs> they're 122nd in tackles for loss. <laughs> I think my favorite stat from the Memphis game was that their quarterback averaged 17 yards per attempt. Run that by me again. Memphis's quarterback averaged 17 yards per attempt. Oh, throw the shit out of it. Come on. Dave. He completed like 11 passes for 215 yards. You don't need to run the ball against this team. Come on, Dave. Yeah, Alex Pierce against these cool. Alex Pierce like, against these Navy DBs. Like they 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 had a very hard time defending the RPO. Uh, their two starting safeties, one for, I think, the whole year already, but I think they lost the other one. Uh, not against Memphis, maybe the week before. Gotcha. They're, yeah, they're, they've got some issues in the back end, big time. You don't say. But, yeah. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> they had, like, they kept it, they were right in it with SMU basically the whole game. They had a, they were up twenty one seven. Then gave up. They were right in it with with Houston too. Kickoff return for a touchdown, and then the Memphis game. They have a really good linebacker. Diego Fago is is really good. He had an interception return for a touchdown toward in the first quarter that was called back on one of the worst. Like helmet came off and kept participating penalties that I've ever seen. Like. Not him, like somebody else on the defense. Their helmet came off. And the guy is, like, just kind of running to the end zone, not touching anybody, and they, they threw the flag because he, like, didn't stop and, like, sit down or whatever. Um, I'm going to be very careful when I say this. But you know that kid is a great football player because he had a terrible childhood. Oh, yeah. He, no one growing up called him Mr. Fago. A terrible – like, that's as unfortunate – <laughs> he is he has punched a lot of faces if yes. I had to guess. Yes. Like he has beat like that is a guy you do not want to run into at a bar when you've had some liquid courage because he's beaten a lot of people's asses in his life. 
Yeah, that's all I'm I gonna just, say on that. I, I'm, I'm not gonna go over. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna no, walk done. to the line and I'm gonna that's stop. But just, he's kicked a, he's punched a lot of faces. Yeah, and physically uh, won those fights. If I had to guess, I just <laughs> like I just don't even with the with the op, triple option. Like I think and you and I've talked about this. The longer Navy is in the conference. The, the worse it's getting for them because the novelty of the triple option wears off. Doesn't work. And the recruiting advantages that the other teams have get more and more exposed. Well, uh, Cincinnati has a blueprint for what they do on Navy Week. Remember, you know, 2018, there was this talk that like from camp all the way up to the Navy game, there was time spent every week on the triple option. And Luke said it in the Wired Wednesday when he was like, we were watching that tape from four years ago and uh, you guys were in it. He was talking to Brooks and Brown. Like, you guys were in it. Like, Van has played a lot of snaps against triple option, including at Fairfield, playing Coleraine. My Jay has taken a lot of snaps against triple option. Brooks, Brown, Taylor, like you name but it. Even, even that, like you're just not seeing them have these games where they just run all over. Right, where they team. run for, for 330 yards. Like 300, that's not. 400 yards. It's just, it's right. not there for them anymore. Like they don't have, and, and they might have one eventually, but like they don't have the quarterback like they had when they had Malcolm Perry. Right. They don't have. You know, they're not going to have the defensive line to stop UC's running game. Like, they're not going to have the speed on the outside at defensive back. Like, like yeah. You know, I, I joke about four verts, but like, just chuck it to Pierce and Scott all game. Like, they don't have guys that can run with them. They don't have guys that can run with Michael Young. Well, it was kind of like fast, the, Ar- but he's not like as fast the, Ar- as the Army guys. game a couple years ago when we got out of yeah. our own way. Last year. Could, yeah, last year. They, they didn't have anybody that could cover any of the receivers. Like you said, to get out of, they had to get out of their own way. They were, you know, causing more right. problems than Army was causing. But, like, right. once they figured that out, like, like who? But you're going to run that? I would run that jet sweep with Trey, Trey Tucker about ten times. Yeah. Because they don't have the speed to do it. They just don't. No. It's, you know, so, you know, it's not your watch out for plucky little Navy. They're going to get you with the triple option. Like, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, Of course, Holy Grail, BCJ Watch Party, Tony Pike and I, uh, Kelly... Kelly tested well enough today that I think I'm allowed somewhere that is semi indoors. Semi, like if there's good airflow. Well, they they open the garage doors in the Holy Grail. Right. Yeah, you got the good good the, the air sweeping through. Yeah, so uh, I think I'm going to be allowed to be inside somewhere this weekend. Uh, her white blood cell counts went from zero point zero four to today they were at five point nine. And 5.1, sorry, 5.1. 
and and acceptable like normal is like 4.0 so uh this week i think i'm going to be allowed to be inside so i should be able to be at the grail uh so come join us either way tony pike's gonna be there with or without me tony will be there right um so do that noon kickoff dave's favorite road game noon kickoffs brady collins favorite there's nothing the staff loves more than a noon road kickoff staff the staff and players love noon games in general Home games, not as much. Well, the like staff they prefer does. 3.30. The staff, the, staff. the staff would prefer every game start at noon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the players probably like the night home games more than the nooners. But definitely and they want 3.30s on the road, so you don't have to get up at 6 a.m. Yeah, but they like to get in the, on Friday. Yeah. Least, least amount of time to kill, play the game, and get out. I do think it's a good opportunity. They're going to, I think there's going to be a couple staffers that, that head to town, maybe a tad early. Maybe Oliver Bridges gets a visit from the coaches this weekend. Well, that'd be nice to, uh, to check on him. I think there might be a couple, uh, a game or two in the DMV that the staff will check out on some 2023 recruits. Uh, we'll try to have some information on that going forward. Um, but yeah. Noon kickoffs on the road. There's nothing the staff loves more than knowing, you know, there's a good chance by like 7.30, 8 o'clock, you're back home. Oh, yeah. From the road trip on a Saturday instead of, you know, 4 in the morning for night games. Uh, how are you feeling? Are they going to get enough possessions to run the score up in this one? Because, again, that comes down to three and outs. If they get three and outs – they're going to get the ball back. They're going to be able to score a ton on Navy. Uh, I'm going to go – Navy does have a good kicker. So, I'm going to go – I'm going to write this down so that I can send it to you tomorrow so that you can send me your prediction because I know you won't remember this tomorrow. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I probably won't even right, – we'll see. Okay, I'm going to write it down and I'm going to send it to you. Uh, 42 to 3. They get a field goal because they got a good kicker. They do have a good kicker. All right. I think they get enough three and outs. Like, that's stop rate. They're number three in the country in stop rate. I think they they get the number two spot back from San Diego State. And they stop this Navy offense enough. Because I think as you, as, as you string out option plays, and they don't have the fullback, to just plow at you that's going to get three, four yards at a time, right? Like, No. I mean, Memphis that's, held them to 17 points. Right. So they don't have the fullback to hand it to in the triple option. They don't have the quarterback to beat you to the edge. What's that mean? That means behind the line of scrimmage, you're going to have a lot of mesh points where the quarterback has to decide to hold it or pitch it, and both guys are going to be covered, which means you're playing behind the sticks. More often than not. I'm going to be, I'm going to go bold here, Dave. Well, shit. And yeah, again, you have to worry about if it does get to the point, I think it's going to get to that. You're going to have a lot of second team in the second half where they might be able to put a couple drives together. They break a big like trick play or, 
They have hit some splash plays in the passing game. I'll give them a touchdown. I'll go 51-7. Three weeks in a row, they continue the streak. First time in program history last week for two weeks at 50 in a row. I think they get a touchdown late with Evan Prater, and they go 51-7 to over Navy. Sounds good. Oh, to, tomorrow, yeah, to wrap this up, tomorrow night I will be attending uh, my alma mater, Springboro, uh, play Miamisburg. So I will get a, a good look at A.J. Sally, uh, Christian Davis, and what's uh, – I know his last name is McGowan, McGowan, first name is escaping me right now. They're the tight end slash wide receiver for them. They had a big win last week. Beat number two in the state, Springfield. Is it Trevor McGowan? Mm, I don't think so. I, okay. I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah. Recruiting has been so far from my, my mind right Miami's now. Miamisburg beat Springfield last week, so should be should be a good game. But yeah, my my buddy coaches for Springboro, so I've, I've told him I was going to go to a game this year, and now we're at the last game, so I guess I need to go. <laughs> That's, know, that's stuff, a way to hold up your end of the responsibility. Stuff has happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the wife is out of town, so I'll be bringing the little guy, and we'll see how long we can make it. Well, all right. We look for a detailed report on the boards. I don't know. I don't think you're going to get that. But uh, <laughs> how great was the uniform reveal video this Ooh, week? That was Kelsey Sharkey's finest work. I liked it. I mean, that's pretty. It's up there. Pretty uh, ingenu ingenuitive. Is that the word? Or uh, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it was good to have to have the drip of the sauce, and even like on the sauce bottle, it said like the number two team number two team country. in the country. Yeah, yeah, it was good. That was as they're so good, man. They're so good at what they do. Like so good at what they do like it's funny Eichel Davis the, the guy that was brought in uh who was regarded as one of the top like you know content guys in the country when they brought him in I think even he's starting to look around and go I didn't realize this team they brought me into was maybe even more talented than I am and I'm the most talented guy in the country like the shark the shark doesn't miss no the shark she does is, not miss. She is strong. Um, basketball, do we, I don't have a ton because I haven't been allowed to go inside. Do we, ha do we have any comments on the, uh, the expanded American Athletic Conference? I wish them well. I wish uh, yeah. them well. I, I have, I have no, no ills to say, although I did find it funny to read an article today that Mr. Oresco did not attend the UC Notre Dame game. <laughs> he hasn't quite been on his pulpit uh, this year. Mm, no. Speaking well, of the Bearcats' virtues as, as to the similar extent as he did last season. I mean, there's some talks that, that the, the, the fun belt is going to make a move to take the, the actual like powers from Conference USA to put the final dagger in Conference USA. Um, there are powers in Conference USA. Uh, hey, hey, 
Don't you go trash talking the herd, Tennessee boy. I haven't brought up I haven't brought up golf balls and mustard bottles. Those aren't my people. <laughs> Those are your people. Those absolutely are your I fucking people. I grew up north of the Mason Dixon line. We do not <laughs> we do not stoop to shenanigans and unpleasantries of that level. At least it was French's crappy yellow mustard and they didn't waste money. You waste their good gray poupon. Well, like golden spicy mustard or anything like that. Like that would have been a, a travesty. <laughs> and then we got we got the radio guy saying he would fight anybody that brought Pat, Pat 40, 40 on. on. And, and one of my the, one of my good I, friends had class with that guy and he's like yeah he was a giant turd i'm like yeah like, clearly <laughs> i saw there was a, a, a meme that was like the three schools left that matter in conference usa like the Sun Belt told him like here's a gun three of you go into the room and, and don't room come out that. until there's Ro- don't come out until there's two left Roshan, <laughs> Um, I mean, but it, like what, the, the Sun Belt, whatever. the Sun Belt like, is going to be running Power Six ads here here shortly. I mean, I don't like you. You tried to get like some Mountain West schools. They said no. They said no. Like, and then you went for look. I <laughs> this was this was maybe one of my favorite things I talked about with Mo with like over the past like six months that I've been doing the segment with Mo uh, rice is now in the power six. Right. So like, what's your, what's your, top what's your number? What's your number? Well, what's your number six rice? Oh, let's see. And I went actual rice. I was thinking like, you know, yeah. White rice, brown rice, wild rice. My number uh, six, I mean, Cilantro, uh, lime, rice. Cilantro, lime, fan good. of like a basmati and a jasmine are both very good. Are is uh, jasmine six? No, is jasmine the no, number like, six rice. No, way higher. Than that. Much better. Like six to me is like a a wild or like a pilaf. A, a rice pilaf, yeah. I mean, uh, but I mean, um, like I I like like you know they have abo- that like broccoli aborio, and cheese rice. Aborio. Like, I mean, I know. Yeah. Mexican I'm a, rice, I'm a, Spanish I'm rice. Middle, I like Spanish rice. My mom's side of the family is uh, a Syrian, like Middle Eastern descent. So I've eaten a lot of rice growing yeah, up. I so, enjoy rice. There's a lot of rice. I do it's not. It's hard to figure out what is number I ate six. So, ate so much of it growing up. I'm not a huge. It's hard to figure out what's not the number six rice. Mike Rice, like, Glenn Rice. And then Mo went. When athletes, Jerry, actual rices, Homer, <laughs> Homer Rice, and me coach at UC. Yes, that like that's why somebody brought him up. Um, uh, the the baseball player for the Red Sox. Uh, oh, Jim, Jim, Jim Rice. Yeah, like you know. So then you have to pick your number six, like uh, name, like like you know, athlete Rice. They 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 added rice. Like yeah, what do we like? Didn't you learn your lesson with Tulane? Well, now I mean, like here's here's the thing: is like, how fast is Wichita State trying to get to the Big East for basketball? Desperately, desperately. And, they 
They have to. And like, what the, you know, what is Temple going to do? Die. Die like, on the vine. You literally have like all these schools in the Can southeast you... <laughs> in Texas, and now you just added Temple. You got Temple like way up here in the northeast. Like even ECU <laughs> and Charlotte make a tiny bit of sense, but like, can you Temple, imagine being a fan of Temple going through like they got kicked out of the Big East? They got told you ain't got to go home. You got to get the fuck out of here. And they were in the Mac. Yeah, like they had to go to the Mac, and then they crawled their way back into the AAC, and and now, like, good luck. Oh. Get I can't wait for those Thursday night Temple UT San Antonio games. Those should be a point. Uh, no, I'm, all, be a, I'm, in, I'm all in on UT San Antonio. That'll be yeah, but see the thing with them is like. Jeff Trailer is going to be gone after this year. So you have no maybe. idea. Maybe. Well, probably. But you, like, have, you have no idea if that is him or if that's actually sustainable. Like it wasn't sustainable anytime. I mean, they, they hired Frank Wilson from LSU before him and everybody thought that was going to work and it was a disaster. I know. I, but I don't know. Maybe okay, it's because Okay, don't even use that as an example. Maybe, maybe it's Temple because you and can't Rice. spell... Temple yeah, and Rice. Temple and North Texas. Who's ready for that North Texas-Tulsa game, baby? <laughs> maybe for me it's because... Tulane UAB. This is I'm like, a big, I'm this a big is fan like of... Diego Guevara and Gerald Honeycutt <laughs> and, and all those old shitty Conference USA team days, man. Every team in the league now used to be in Conference USA. I'm a big fan of Uncle Chaps. Uh, on Twitter, who's a barstool guy? Who is he a, he, a fan of? Or he's, a, uh, he's a UTSA guy. He lives oh, okay. in he, he lives in San Antonio, I think. Um, and one of the the longest running things with him is uh, he started touting UTSA, and somebody hit him up on Twitter and was like, "You can't spell nutsack without UTSA." <laughs> <laughs> well. Just, somebody tweeted today. It. Wisely, he embraced it and was like, that's right. You can't spell nutsack without UTSA. Someone today <laughs> pointed out that they re that it was a good thing that they rearranged the logos on the release because if you had Charlotte, like in North Texas, and like it's spelled C-U-N-T. <laughs> With their logos, the C and then the UNT. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know it. if it was UAB it. or if it was no. It was, it's, uh, North Texas is just UNT, so it would have to have been. Oh C. yeah, Charlotte and then the okay. Yeah, the C and then the UNT for I North it, Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, but hey, we're gonna, mean, keep, we're gonna we're gonna keep that power six going. Okay, well, like, like I, like, I, I'm, I'm I, not gonna say anything bad because we're leaving. I don't care. Yeah, I don't want to shit on them because, like, t- t- I, I don't wish care. those guys the best. Like, they're they're all trying to do what Cincinnati did, right? Yeah. They're all trying to take the next step. And there's quite a few of them that have invested a lot in athletics. And they're trying. And, I like, I, I commend them for that. But thank fucking God. Oh, could the you life imagine? raft came. Could you imagine? If we were sitting here on this podcast having to talk about, I would be, 
I don't know if I would be on it. I'd be you trying quit. to start. I'd be trying to be on a Tennessee podcast. Like, you'd I quit. Could, I could not talk about that shit. You'd be hitting up Wes Rucker like you guys need. You guys need a content guy. No, let's not go that far. <laughs> I love it. I'd be hitting up Ball Ball Quest. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, could you imagine like? Dice like being a Memphis fan, and in two years you're like dissecting the schedule. It's like, well, week three we go to UAB, then we got Rice coming here, then we go to Temple, then oh. we go to Charlotte, and then ECU, and then we finish oh. up with USF. Oh, oh, thank God, I don't have to do that. Thank you, that, Texas. Thank you, Oklahoma. Right. Thank God I don't have to do that because this job, this people, job would be a like, lot different. People would if, not pay for this site. Let's be real. Why? I wouldn't expect people to pay. Like, other than just because they like us, because we built some brand equity. And I don't think like they it, like us that much. I, are, I wouldn't are we expect. Worth a, are we worth a hundred and something dollars to people? I think, I think we're. I think we're worth. I think we're worth two trips to, trips to Starbucks a month. I think we can. I think like even in the worst of times, I still think we're worth. Well, anymore, Dave. It's like one trip to McDonald's a month. Like you go get a quarter pounder with cheese meal. That's about the same price as uh, yeah, as as Bearcat Journal for a month. So I still hey, think we're worth Bearcat a, Journal. Lose weight. I think we're worth a great, Big Mac great. meal a month. Although. We might not be worth the sweet tea every month because the sweet tea at McDonald's is pretty tits. Uh, yeah, dirty water. Disgusting. <laughs> How are you not a sweet tea guy? Oh, tea is just its a terrible, terrible invention. Tea is regular tea is gross. No. Sweet tea is fantastic. Getting anything at McDonald's that isn't Diet Coke or High C Orange should be a felony. You don't like regular Coke from McDonald's? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't drink a regular Coke. Are you kidding? Well, fair. You don't like Sprite from McDonald's? No, I don't drink. I, very Diet Coke, high C orange. Wendy's, it, since they have the Coke freestyle, it's vanilla Diet Coke. Taco Bell, Mountain Dew. Everybody has you can, their. You, you can drink Mountain Dew, but you can't drink a regular Coke? Oh, yeah. The regular Coke grosses me out. Like, I feel my teeth, like, rotting from the inside. You drink Mountain Dew! I'm used to it. I took some IVs of that growing up. Kelly is shushing me, so... I used to come in, used to come in from basketball practice in high school and drink two cans of Mountain Dew before I even walked in the door to the house. Like, from the garage refrigerator into the house. It was just boom, boom. Just pounding them like I'm stone cold. Like... <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, we're going to have to get like, we're, we're two and a half weeks from the start of basketball season. So we're going to have to do. So you're going to have to find someone to come on to talk about basketball. We're going to have to do a basketball show at some point in time here. Well, let me know how that goes. <laughs> you're out. You don't even want to try. I mean, I could be a part of it. I'm, there would well, need to like be, we did uh, the round table last year. Right. I think the round table is uh Yeah. I mean I let's be real. We got the number two team in the country. 
I am not paying a damn lick of attention to basketball right now. I would be like, it would be a disservice. Like, I, I'm not saying like I'm not interested. Like, people that listen but you to the just, podcast, you're not paying be, any attention. People want to like someone that actually knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> like, other than when we talk about it on the car rides to pick up my son from my mom or from school, like I don't go to the basketball board. Like, I don't know. They could have gotten a new transfer today or and I would have no idea. Don't say that. Now people are gonna be asking who's the new transfer. The running you back. Son of, you son of a bitch. It's a the running transfer back. running back is playing basketball. <laughs> but no, get, get you know. I'm sure you could get somebody on to help to help us out. Yeah, I've been I've been chatting with the Berg, so you know. Hopefully, the Berg is going to be a little bit be able to be a little bit more involved again this basketball season because I know I know the people love the Berg, and I love the Berg. Yes, um, we all do. So uh, we're going to try to get him a little as, as involved as possible, given everything he's going to, which I mean, there's not a whole lot of people going through as much as we're going through right now. And uh, Berg is absolutely in that uh, in that realm. So um, God, do, I, right. I, do I need to like watch like stepping on cracks and black cats? There seems to be a, a, a bad Bearcat journal choo-choo going around. It's not great. It's not great. Like you might want to be careful. You might want to be careful. Uh, but all right, man. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Huge thanks to Dave's idol, Jim Nagy. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But that would that was it's exactly what we needed because, because for we all these talk about Navy for longer than like ten minutes. Well, and... but for there's there's this narrative out there that UC is just not talented enough to be right. where they are at. And the only person I could think of that has the juice to say Cincinnati is absolutely as talented as anybody in the country, maybe except for Georgia, is Jim Nagy. And so we got it done. Like that's I love that. We've gotten to this point on this podcast Dave where like we need to get a dude. We we can get the dude yeah, he was he was in the DMs the minute like within three minutes of you sending him that tweet about wanting to be on the podcast. Like yeah. he was he was in the DMs. Like let's do this. So love it, and uh, you guys are going to appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, I hope you did. And the rest of it, yeah, just typical BCJ nonsense. We'll see you at the Holy Grail uh, pregame show with Tony and I right around 1130 or so, as long as, you know, my world doesn't blow up again on Friday, like it did last week. Uh, but that's going to be up for this week. Bearcats take on Navy noon Saturday. We'll see you at the Holy grail. Come join us. Have a good time. Have some drinks, have some great food, watch the game and uh high five Tony Pike. Don't high five me. I'm not allowed to touch anybody. I might have to do, I might have to do, I might be like, like uh, elbow. we might be doing like uh, the old Oakland days, the Bass Smash Bros. Brothers, Bass Bros. Forearm. Like I might have to do forearms, maybe an elbow. Maybe I'll just kick you in the nuts. Do like, like a, just a salute. But it gets like, you know, things get pretty, 
pretty emotional. Well, the last two games there were Indiana and Notre Dame, so the the atmosphere was pretty pretty charged. Slightly different vibe. It's probably true. It's probably true. So maybe I won't have to high five as much. Yeah. So, all right. I'll see you next week, David. We'll talk before then, but in sure, I'm sure we will. In BCJ podcast terms, I know you're not going to be at the watch party. That is correct. So I think even though this one you could probably get away with and be okay. No, actually I can't. And it's funny that you bring that up because <sighs> this week on my phone, you know, you get like those Google memory things where they like splash up some photos of yeah. some time in the past. This week pictures, was the temple the temple game. The temple game came up on my phone. It was like three years ago today or whatever. I was like, <laughs> shit. Definitely not going to the watch party this week. Oh, that's fucking great. All right. Well, get out of here. Is there a ghost behind you? Are you okay? I mean, I don't think there is. Why? What are you turning around to look at? Oh, the, the SMU Tulane game. It's a commercial. No, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry. Kelly has a TV show on. That SMU just, just fumbled and Tulane is trying to make it a game. A, a drastic comeback. All right. Well, We'll see you soon, my friend. Yes, we will. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Huge thanks to Jim Nagy. That was as good of a, a 30 minutes as you'll ever get out of this podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.